Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you're new to Authentic Church, our vision in this house is that this would be a place where people encounter God, that you'd discover community, and that you would fulfill the call of God on your life. Uh, my wife and I are, are technically known as the pastors of Authentic Church, but we like to say we're kind of treasure hunters. Uh, any, any people ever use one of those metal detectors at the beach? Are any of you one of those people? My wife is one of those people, and so years ago we blessed her by investing into this metal metal detector that's been used all of maybe two times. So if you want it, you just let me know after service and I'm sure she'll give it to you. But um, kidding, she would hate that. I just said that. But uh, but she would go around and sometimes on like a vacation, you know, or use that or whatever. You know, our, our heartbeat is really, you know, we're, we feel like we're treasure hunters, that there's gold inside of you. And it's our honor as the pastors to be able to see that come out. And whether you're uh, new in your faith, whether you've been living for God for years and years, whether you're a teenager or whether you're, uh, you, you've been many years removed from your teenage years, we know that there's, God, there's gold inside of you. That if you're breathing, if you're alive, then God's got a purpose for you and he ain't done with you yet. Amen? Amen. So uh, we've been in a series that we titled Mountains and Valleys. Everybody say mountains. Oh, come on. I'll say it one more time. Mountains. And valleys, valleys, all right. So mountaintops are meant to transform you. The valleys conform you more into the likeness of Christ. Uh, mountaintops is where you get your mission. Valleys is when you're on a mission, right? So you go up to the mountain, you get that revelation. Then in the valley, you're walking it out. On the mountaintops, you're, you're receiving that, that blessing, right? In, in, in the valleys, you're reminding yourself of the blessing that God said he, he gave to you, and you're going to walk things out. On the mountains, you have encounters with God. In the valleys, you go down and you slay your giants. Amen. So we've been going through this, and valley in the Hebrew actually means to break open. A valley was a place in the Hebrew, they said it was a place where it broke open. And my prayer today is that as we get into the Word of God, as we spend time together, and every time we gather, that God breaks something open in your mind, your heart, gives you fresh revelation that you're having eyes to see something you never saw before, ears you heard something you never heard before, thoughts that you've never thought before, that He encounters you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God today. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Word, that it is a lamp, that it's a light to our path. And God, we thank you for directing us. And Lord, we didn't gather today to hear a man speak, but we all gathered to hear you speak. And so we're asking, Lord, would you speak? Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, turn with me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Last week, we started talking a little bit about the story of Abram back when his name was just Abram before he, the Lord changed his name to Abraham. And, um, and then this week, uh, we're going to continue on the life of Abram when he, uh, his name gets changed to Abraham, and then some of the blessings that God promised him actually start to come to pass. And he ends up being blessed 
with a son. Now, when Abraham tried to do it in his own strength, he got an Ishmael. But when he leaned in and allowed God to be God, he got his Isaac. And his Isaac, Isaac was his promised son. And so we're going to read about how the Lord then challenges Abraham, tests him in his faith. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, everybody say third day. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and will worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, son. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, So they went, both of them, together. Verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took his knife to slaughter his son. But an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The title of my message today is Tested and Approved, Tested and Approved. I find it interesting, so Abraham calls that place, the Lord will provide. He didn't call it the Lord provided, past tense. He said, Lord will provide. And and it speaks of the faith and the trust that he has that no matter what may come his way, he has the confidence to know because he knows the character of the Lord. He knows that always faithful will the Lord be that no matter what may come his way, the Lord will provide. Abraham's faith was tested and approved. Back in uh, World War II, there was a, a, a mom who had two sons, and both of her sons were out fighting in the war. 
and she was working for Johnson and Johnson factories back then. And she would, her job was to be able to take the different items they were putting in boxes and then they would put tape on it. Now the tape that they had back during those days, uh, was a lot different than the awesome sticky, sticky tape that we have. Their tape actually was a, a type of paper tape. And some of you may have, it's, it's almost kind of the quality of like painter's tape. If you've, if you've touched and seen the stickiness and how you can put on and remove. And what would happen, the challenge was they would put on the tape and then they would literally dip the box in this wax to be able to hold it together. But on the field of battle, in the heat of the moment, when the soldiers are getting stuff and they're trying to open a box of ammunition, they would go to open and the tape would tear because it got wet because there wasn't a strong seal around it. So this mom who is packing all these boxes, she saw this as a faultiness in the design. And so she came up with this idea, what if we took cloth, this woven cloth, what if we took this cloth and then we actually dipped the cloth in wax and then on one side it was sticky to hold it together. And so she actually ran it up the flagpole and she was turned down and she went all the way to, uh, to the president's office. And so she went to the president's office and somehow word got to him and, and then word came back through the different channels and they ended up approving it. And now this is why you and I have what is known as duct tape. <laughs> and the soldiers called it the 100 mile an hour tape because it literally would tape and hold anything in place. They would use it from taping each other's boots together when their boots would tear apart and start talking, you know. They would use it to tape bumpers on the Jeep down if it wasn't, you know. And everybody knows, right, if you can't fix it, duck it, right? Like that's, that's where the saying came from. And it, was, it had to be tested and approved before it was issued for the use what it had. And so for, for you and I, one of the lessons from that we see in Abraham, man, his faith was tested and approved. He, he, he had experienced some challenges. He'd gone through some things. He'd tried to do it on his own. And yet God in his kindness and his grace, God still extended him mercy and still blessed him with his son, Isaac. But then there came a moment, the ultimate moment where the promise that God had for him, he was going to challenge Abraham with. And like every parent that's in this room and every parent that's represented by students that are here, your parents are releasing you. They're, they're trusting you. And some of them may feel like, I feel like Abraham with Isaac. Like I'm, I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you with my kids. I'm trusting you with their futures. I'm, I'm trusting you. And I, I want to share this. this. The big idea for this morning is this. It's that your faith will often be tested before it's rewarded. Your faith is often tested before it's rewarded. I don't know how many might be able to uh, say amen to that in this room, but how many times have you been walking through something and it felt like, man, my faith is being tested, faith is being tested, and you continued to stand faithful, and then later on you saw the blessing of God come through because he is a faithful God. And the blessing of God, as we talked about last week, the blessing of God doesn't always look like the blessing that you and I put wrote down on our prayer card. Sometimes you write down on your prayer card, and this is what I'm praying and I'm believing for, and it's this thing or this relationship or this opportunity or this business deal or whatever it is. And when the blessing of God comes, it looks different, but you're like, now I see it is so much better than what you had for me. So much better. And, and, 
you know, with us raising kids, my wife and I, who you saw earlier, if you don't know, uh, we have five kids and, um, it's a lot, it's a lot of kids. It's a lot of mouths to feed. And when they were younger, one of the first words we taught them, anybody want to guess what that was? What was the first word you teach your child? You teach them no. <laughs> the answer is no, right? You had to teach them no to help them understand boundaries. So we, we would teach them no. And then after they understood no, then they could understand yes. And so we would teach them no. But in our family, one of the things that we instituted was immediate obedience. Because parents, you and I, we're representatives of God to our children. And so we want to teach them first-time obedience so that when they're older and they're making decisions and they're walking with God, we want them to have first-time obedience, right? Well, God wants the same for you and me. Like, you don't just get a free pass because you happen to be a parent in this room, right? God wants the same for you and me. He wants immediate obedience. And, and so for our kids, we would teach them immediate obedience. It's the, it's the first time. And I love in this story of Abraham and Isaac, it says early in the next morning, Abraham gets up and he grabs two servants, saddles the donkey, grabs his son, grabs the fire, grabs the knife, grabs the wood, and they take off. And it said that they were going to a place that the Lord would show them. That's faith, man. That's faith. When you're going to a place where you don't fully understand everything, that takes faith. And some of you are in this room and you're brand new students to Vanguard and you're like, yeah, that's my life story right there. Like I go, I'm coming to a place that I know nobody and I walked in and I, I really don't know what to expect. That took faith for you to say yes. Some of you walked into jobs and you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm trusting God. I'm kind of excited. I'm super nervous, but I'm saying yes. I feel like this is the door God is leading me to walk through. And you said yes. And he opened up a whole new realm of a vocation that you never would have thought of had you not just said yes with all the unexpected things. You know, uh, mistakes are when we fail to ask God for his input, but failures are when we're disobedient. Mistakes are when we fail to ask God for his input. Failures are when we are disobedient. God doesn't mind the mistakes, and he wants to forgive you of your failures if you'll turn it over to him. I remember years ago, my wife and I, we were, we were buying a house and, and we were all excited. We were building it. It was a, a dream house to ours, literally like had two dishwashers in the island. It was a nice house. And so we were building the house and we were going through. And when you build a house, when you're working with the builder, one of the last things you do is you walk through the house and you do blue taping, right? Any construction guys in here, you know what I'm talking about. Before the, the, before the project is really finished, you blue tape it one last time. And that's the last time for me as a future homeowner to tell you as the contractor, hey, here's some little things I want you to fix before I take the keys. So Fawn and I drive up and we go to the house and we're all excited and we got the, the blue painter's tape and you, we're just going on, we're taping this. Oh, there's a gash in the wall here or this looks crooked or this closet doesn't open right or that cabinet doesn't close right. And so we're going around blue taping. And as we're going around blue taping, I feel like the Lord said, this is not what I have for you. And I'm like, this is my wife's dream house. <laughs> he says, this isn't what I have for you. And I'm like, oh man, like, I do not want to feel the wrath of my wife right now when I tell her that, you know, we've been planning and picking things out and that I feel like the Lord's like, I'm like, God, I need some help here. <laughs> Give me some husband help. I need some Holy Spirit juice in this conversation. And so, so we leave and we get in the car and I'm like, ah, and I'm like sweating bullets. You know, we sit down in the car and, and I look at her and I'm like, what do you think? And she goes, 
uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't feel like we're supposed to do this. I'm like, yeah, I heard God too. <laughs> and you're right. I will confirm what you think you hear. And I will say, yes, that was God. You know? So we call the realtor and we're, we're going away. And, you know, a realtor, he's all excited because this is like the last step in the process before he, connects, he collects his commission, you know. <laughs> and I share with the brother, hey, man, we're pulling the plug. He's like, What? You're crazy. Jeff, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy, right? You're going to lose all this money. You blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, dude, do whatever you can. I don't know what to tell you, but the peace of God is better than any house. And I feel like maybe we rush things, you know? And he's like, man, I'm begging you. Don't do this. And I'm like, nope, do it. And he's like, all right, I'll do my best. And so we left. Anyways, we get off the phone with him and we start laughing and we walked into a church service. And here we were walking away and could have, you know, potentially cost us thousands and thousands of dollars, as well as a really nice house. And we're walking away and we started laughing. And we actually went to a church service that night with the church that we were attending out in Dallas, Texas. And we were so giddy. We were like, man, God, what do you have up your sleeve? What do you have up your sleeve? And then little did we know, it was during that season that God was positioning things in our lives from a business perspective that we would have the finances to be able to move our family to really fund the launch, the plant of Authentic Church. And as my wife said, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary here in a few, few weeks. I, had, I could never have put those things together, but God could. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'll be transparent with you. That, to me, it was, it was a mistake. It wasn't a failure. It was a mistake in the fact that I really didn't ask God, should we build a house, should we not? We were just making a lot of money and we had crazy amount of provision and we found a good piece of land and had a dream. We've always dreamed of building a house. And so we thought, well, the, you know, God's provided. And, but I'll be honest with you, I did not really seek God. And I learned a valuable lesson, a costly one, but a valuable lesson that just because you can doesn't always mean you should. And there's a lot of things in life that you can do, but then the question with the Lord is, yeah, but should I? I can do that, but really should I do this right now? Is this the best thing? That's why it's so important for you and I to get away, to go and have the mountaintop encounter with God and really seek after him, his will, in his ways for our lives. Galatians 3.29 says this, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Everybody say Abraham's seed. And your heirs according to the promise. So we went through last week, we talked about the seed of Abraham and the blessing of Abraham. And I wanna give you just a few lessons from that. So if you're Abraham's seed, what does that mean? You're a seed of Abraham. And you might be like me when I was newly saved. Somebody said, you're a seed of Abraham and an heir unto the promises. Bless God. And I'm like, I have no idea what that dude is talking about. You know, like you ever meet those people? It's like everything that comes out of their mouth is just like super Christian. And I'm a brand new Christian. And I'm like, I don't understand anything, but I'm going to pretend like I understand everything. You know, I don't understand what he's saying. And he's, you know, and so you begin to look and it's like, well, what does it mean to be a seed of Abraham and an heir unto the promises of God? It's, it's the fact that you're not, you may not be Jewish, but you're Jewish. <laughs> you may not be Abraham's son, but you're Abraham's son. By faith, through faith in Christ Jesus, you become the seed of Abraham. 
So there was, there was the, the seed of Abraham, which was Isaac. There's the seeds of Abraham, which is the nation of Israel that was born. And then there's the seed of Abraham, the great seed, which was Jesus Christ, who through the lineage of Abraham came and took the penalty of sin on the cross for once and for all so that you and I could have eternal life. He, that's the seed. That's the great seed. And you and I are heirs now with Abraham, Jesus paving the way. You're heirs under the promises of God, of what God promised Abraham, he promises to you. Salvation was going to come through the lineage of Abraham, and, and that salvation has come to your house. So I want to share just a few lessons that we see from the story of Abraham going up, having faith, bringing his son Isaac. Isaac, most, most theologians believe Isaac was at least 15 years old at this point. They don't think he was, like, you know, if you look in a, you know, like, little kid's Bible coloring book, they make Isaac look like he was five or six. But how many know he wouldn't be able to carry a bunch of wood up a mountain if he was five or six years old, right? So most, most theologians believe that he was about 15 years old. And uh, that's where the Jewish people, they celebrate the bar mitzvah. It kind of comes through that. So they believe that he was 15 years old and he helped his dad carry all that stuff up. So he's helping to carry the wood. Dad's got the fire. Dad's got the knife. They get up there. They build the altar. And then at the altar, then he lays his son down. And his son is having faith. And, and Abraham had faith that no matter what happens, God's going to take care of him. So he lays his son Isaac down on the altar, begins to bind him, and then lifts the knife. And I could just imagine the sinking in his heart as he's like, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. But when we started coming up here, I, I spoke in faith, the Lord will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. The Lord will provide. So I'm believing the Lord's going to provide even right now. And he took his knife and he held it. And then the angel of the Lord stopped him. He said, no, there's a ram right over here caught with his horns in the thicket. So I want to just unpack a few things that we see, lessons from this story. Number one, you have to know, as a seed of Abraham and an heir unto the promise of God, you have to know you are blessed. You are blessed. No matter what may come your way, you have to look in the mirror and you have to be able to say, I'm blessed, right? Hallelujah, I'm blessed, right? The song, right? You, 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 you got you to know that you're blessed. And if you don't know that you're blessed or you don't know that God has blessings for you, you need to get into the word of God. You need to get into the word of God and begin to look and stand on the promises of him. If you don't know how you're going to pay your tuition, I'm telling you, you go in here and you find all these different scriptures that say the Lord's going to provide. You stand on the different scriptures saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm being led by you. I believe that you called me here. And if you called me here, I believe I'm believing that you're going to provide for me here. You get into the word of God. So number one, you need to know that you are blessed. Abraham didn't understand the what or the why, but he knew God. He has seen God's faithfulness. You know, Jesus was told, well done, before he did any miracles. Jesus had the approval of God before he had done any ministry. Jesus had the approval of God, the blessing of God on his life before he was tested by Satan. You have a blessing from God on your life. You gotta know that you've been blessed. If you don't understand your position in Christ and his love for you, then your acts of faith become an empty attempt to try to earn the favor that you've already received. You've already received it. Everybody just say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Sometimes you just need to look in the mirror and remind yourself, I'm blessed. 
I'm a blessed person. Number two, the second lesson. Tested faith increases confidence and trust. Tested faith increases confidence and trust. Just like the duct tape that that woman created, it had to be tested. When they tested it under certain weights in certain situations that it could withstand and it was like this waterproof covering, there was a confidence in a trust that they could send that out to be able to be used for that which it was created for. There's a, there's a confidence, there's a trust that comes with God when you experience the testing. Now, by this time, Abraham, he, he'd won some battles. He had met with God. He was blessed in the valley by Melchizedek, who was the pre-incarnate Christ. That was Jesus. He had accumulated some wealth. God answered his biggest prayer because he wanted a son. And God is saying, will you trust me with the blessings that I've given you. Some people receive blessings from God and that thing which they own, they don't own it, it owns them. I love this quote from Mike Rovner. He's one of our uh, elders uh, at, the, at the church here and he had this to say, he says, never buy anything that you wouldn't be willing to give away. If you do, then you won't own it. It will own you. So true. I remember I, I had saved up and I remember when the Apple Watch came out and I was so stoked about the Apple Watch and it's like, you can you know, try to talk to it, but sir, I don't know what it is, but everything you see on any advertisement with Siri working so quickly and easily with somebody running and talking and jumping, like I'm like, my Siri, I, I, I don't know, she doesn't listen, she doesn't have good hearing or something, but like she never does what I tell her to do. But I remember getting the Apple Watch and I thought it'd be so cool to be able to talk, you know, it's like, you know, Dick Tracy or something and it's like, roger that, you know. And so, you know, so I get the Apple Watch. And I, and I, I didn't just get the Apple Watch. Of course, they upsell you. You got to get the cool bands. So the, the band that it came with was okay, but I wanted the sport band. And then I wanted the, the silver band for when I get dressed up in my suit. And then I wanted the leather band because if you wear brown, you got to, you know, I want my Apple Watch to match my outfit, right? You know, and so, so I, you, you buy into all this kind of stuff. And I remember one day we have uh, some friends that were coming over and they were pastors and they were so excited. They were in the middle of moving to the East Coast to accept this great opportunity. God was lying up for them. And I remember they're there and we get to talking and, and I see he doesn't have a watch on. And as I, I, I never, I don't look at people's wrists. I'm not like a wrist guy or a wrist critiquer, but I just looked at his wrist and I noticed he didn't have a watch on. And immediately Holy Spirit said, give him your Apple watch. I'm like, what? give him your Apple watch and all the bands. I, I, I got that. I only have one. He's like, yeah, I'm not asking you to give anything you don't have. Give him your Apple Watch, you know? And so I'm like, you know, I had to do the immediate obedience thing. You know, it's kind of like you, there's some, some things God asks you to do. You just got to do it and you can go away and pray and cry later. You know, it's like, you just got to say yes. Oh God, you know, it was kind of that moment, you know? So I go, I, I knew I had to do, respond quickly. So I go in my room and I grab all the stuff and put it in the little Apple bag. And now as I'm getting it ready, I'm kind of actually getting excited. Like, dude, this is I hope this guy doesn't already own an Apple Watch, Lord. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I feel like this is a waste, you know. So I get it all ready and put it in the bag, and and we're talking. And as they're getting ready to go, I say, Hey, I I, I just want to tell you, uh, I felt this word for you, and gave him this little prophetic word that I felt. And I said, I, I just want to give you this Apple Watch, and uh, he's like, Oh, dude, I've been praying for one of these. I'm like, Me too. Me too. <laughs> 
go in peace. <laughs> but what a great reminder. Never buy anything you wouldn't be willing to give away. If you do, then you won't own it. It'll own you. Abraham had received Isaac, this incredible blessing, promise, a son, right? No guarantee he's getting another one, but has a son. And the Lord's like, if that blessing takes the place of me in your life, then I want to remove that. Is there something in your life that the Lord has blessed you with? Is there someone in your life that was an answer to prayer? The Lord's, and the Lord's saying, I want you to lay this down. I want you to lay this relationship down. I want you to lay this thing down that you feel is so important. Can we get back to just you and me where I am the most important person in your life? Can we do that? Third lesson we can take from Abraham and Isaac. Trust God even when it doesn't make any sense. How many of you have ever gone through seasons where you feel like, I have no idea what God is doing here. I have no idea why I'm here, why I'm in this room, why I'm walking in this city. I have no idea. And God is saying, hey, what, can you trust me when it doesn't make sense, right? Can, can you trust me? Can you let go of some of that control that you so love? Any control freaks in here? Don't, don't raise your hand, but I'm just... It, it. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I like driving because I want to be in control. When I'm doing a road trip, I'm driving. Fawn's like, honey, I'll drive if you want me to. Nope, nope. She's like, you can rest and sleep. I'm like, honey, there's no way if you're driving that I am sleeping, Okay. <laughs> One time we were driving, no offense to my wife, she's a great driver, but one time we were driving, this just gives you an insight into our marriage, right? True confessions of a pastor. We were, one time we were driving, we were doing this massive road trip up to see her family for Christmas. We're driving up to surprise her family. So we, so we take off and it's like a 14 hour drive from where we were living and we had to go through the Siskiyous. And when you go through the Siskiyous in the wintertime, uh, get ready for snow. And so we're driving and all of a sudden as we were going, we thought we would beat the snowstorm. No, we drove right into it, baby, which sounds awesome when you never see snow unless you're driving a car at 60 miles an hour. And so, uh, so I did at that moment say, all right, honey, you can drive. I'm going to sleep. So I'm sleeping. And then as I'm just sitting there crashed out, I feel this hitting and grabbing and tugging on my shirt. And I'm like, and I wake up and all I see is like just a whiteout in front of us. And it's just snow. Just And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, go ahead and pump the, dra- pump, pump the brakes. I said, pump the brakes. What she heard was slam on the brakes right now as if we're going to crash into a car. So, but I said, pump the brakes. Whoosh. And it was like, we, and then we're skidding everywhere. And it was just a, a fun time. And, and I learned in that moment I needed to relinquish control, but then I also knew, okay, I think it's time for me to take back some control. What are some things in your life where you feel like you're having a difficult time trusting God? Could it be you're just trying to control him, control the situation, control your spouse, control the outcome? What are some things that you've been too controlling in, in your life, in your family, in your vocation? What are some areas where you're like, you know what? The Holy Spirit's challenging me to really just submit and just to trust God in this situation. And I've seen it time and time again. It's like, you know, we can, we can hold on to something that God once gave us as a blessing, and then suddenly that thing is consuming us, and we begin to hold on to that. 
And it could be subtle areas of control. It could be subtle things in life that you just want it your way, which is the opposite of serving somebody else their way. With our, with our kids, we really try to instill in our family that we serve each other. We bless each other. And not just on your birthdays. My wife's birthday was yesterday and we celebrated and it was fun. But I don't want the kids just to do the dishes for mom on her birthday, right? Like, can, can we serve somebody else? Can I serve somebody else's interest? In just the little areas of your life. So can you trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Hebrews eleven seventeen. So the writer of Hebrews is looking back now on the story that I just read to you out of Genesis 22. And the writer of Hebrews is saying this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in fact of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Verse 19, this is powerful. He, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So as Abraham's walking up the mountain, the book of Hebrews, the writer tells us that he literally thought God could raise Isaac from the dead. In other words, he thought he knew how God was going to do it. Abraham thought, he said, Abraham's thinking, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to sacrifice my son, but then God's going to raise him from the dead. Like he had it all figured out in his mind. In actuality, as Abraham walked up the mountain, God had another way of provision. It was the ram that was caught in a thicket. Now there's a difference between a ram and a lamb. And if you don't know the difference between a lamb and a ram, I'm going to teach you the difference between a lamb and a ram. And you're never going to forget what a lamb is and what a ram is, okay? Say that 10 times fast. So the lamb is actually a young sheep, okay? A ram is a fully mature adult male sheep. That's the difference. Abraham's walking up and he said, God's going to provide a lamb. Abraham gets there and God provides the ram. What's the lesson? The lesson is God, he had it all figured out that he was going to receive this immature lamb, which would have been used as a sacrifice, but God said, no, I have something else planned. I have a ram. Sometimes when you try to figure it out on your own, you're going to be stuck with a dream, a vision, a goal, etc. that's not going to grow into maturity if you take control of trying to own it and try and create it. But if you, if you release it to God, you're going to get fully mature. You're going to get the ram. If Abraham would have focused on what he wanted to do and not gone up the mountain, he never would have seen the ram. For some of you in this room, you've been holding out for the lamb. And God's like, no, I want to give you the ram. Faith is often tested before it is rewarded. And we will never see what God caught for us if we don't take the steps of faith that God has for us. Let me say it again. We will never see what God has caught for us if we don't take the steps of faith that God has for us. God's calling you up. And I believe for you students that are joining us today, I believe for the families of Authentic Church, those that call this place home, I believe there's a calling up, there's a stepping up in this season that God is calling us to. And it's he's raising up a generation of simple obedience that just says, if God said it, I believe it, and it's done. If he said it, I believe it, it's done. I'm gonna walk in obedience to God. Amen? Amen. 
I'm going to have Kara join me up in the piano as we close today. And as we're closing, I just want to ask you now, if you just take a moment and just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you just to lean in and just ask the Holy Spirit, what, what are you saying to me in this message? And as we close, I have two questions for you. Simple questions, really. Number one, are there any Isaacs in your life that you need to let go of control and you need to trust God with? Is there anything in your life that maybe you're not seeing the breakthrough of blessing because you're still holding on to all the control? You know, faith is uncomfortable. Faith means you relinquish control. Faith says, I trust you, God, even though I don't understand. And even when I'm not fully comfortable with what you're telling me to do or may not like what you're asking me to do, I trust you and I say yes. That's faith. So are there any Isaacs in your life that you need to hand over to God? And from a practical standpoint, just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we just show me how or where to do that in my life. And the second question that I have for you is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're here and your life literally feels like it's being held together by duct tape, right? And you're barely hanging on. You're, you're hoping it doesn't tear. I just want to encourage you today, don't, don't put your faith in people or the things in the world, but to put your faith and your hope firmly in Christ all the way in. Maybe you've been to church before, you've prayed a prayer before, but if you were honest, you feel like there's a distance between you and, and God. The good news is that his grace is sufficient, that he can show up and he'll be right there in a moment to meet you. You know that place where Abraham brings Isaac up, Mount Moriah, later became a little town that grew into Jerusalem and that region there was, would have been the Temple Mount. And later on in life, as time would go by, that would be the spot where Jesus gave up his life. And the horns in the Bible, was a, it was a symbol of authority. Anytime you see horns, horns on an altar, it was a place of authority. And Jesus laid down his authority. He was that ram that was caught in the thicket. He wore that crown of thorns and he was the sacrifice. And on that particular day, there was not an angel that said, stop, wait. There's another ram. No, there was no other ram. And the story of Abraham and Isaac was a foreshadowing that was foretelling of what would happen in that same spot, on that mount, on that hill, where Jesus would go in that region and he would pay the price for our sins. There are places where you've met God. There are places where you've seen the goodness of God. Go back to that place. If your faith is weary, go back to that place. Ask God to just renew and restore that the joy of your first love, your, the joy of your salvation. And if you're here today, and in honesty, you need to make a fresh commitment to Christ, if that's you, 
I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I want to make a fresh commitment to Christ today. Just go ahead and lift your hand right now. Thank you. If you're here today, I see it. Thank you. If you want to make a fresh commitment for Christ, just raise your hand today. All right. I want to pray for you. This might be the first time in your life or the hundredth time. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you could look up on the screen. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's literally as simple as just saying, Jesus is Lord. And maybe there's some stuff in your heart and mind that come up when you think of your relationship with God and it feels like there's a lid. Just ask him to forgive you. Jesus, would you forgive me? Can we just say that together? Jesus, will you forgive me? And it's done. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. It's too good to be true, yet it is true. Relationship gets restored in that moment. And now there are things that God may ask you to walk out. There may be Isaacs in your life. He's asking you to lay down what you trust him with. There may be mountains he's telling you to climb. There may be valleys he's going to tell you, you're going to have to walk through this and it's going to be really hard. And I'm going to be with you the entire time. Today could be a day when everything turns around for you. Why don't we stand together as we close this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front on the sides. Every single Sunday, if you're new to Authentic Church, we always have our prayer team available to pray with you and to pray for you. Uh, If you come to church and you need prayer, don't leave without getting prayer. Amen? Church is is the family of God gathering together where we really feel that, man, of all the blessings God's done in our life over the last week, the least we could do is come together for a few hours on a Sunday and honor him and worship him. And in the course of doing so, there may be prayer needs that you've walked in here with. We want to be in agreement that when you walk out, those things you walked in here with, that those moments, those situations, whatever you're believing God for, we want to believe that there's going to be a change and a turnaround. God is a God who answers prayer. And so if you need prayer today, I want you, uh, as we close, I'm going to pray a a prayer uh, of, of benediction over everybody, and then we're going to dismiss. But if you need prayer, I want you to come up front, and Kara is going to continue to play in worship, and we would be so honored to be able to pray with you. Is this a good word today? Did God speak anything? Yeah? Let me pray over you and then we'll, we'll dismiss. God, thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing in our midst. God, thank you. God, I pray a blessing over every person here under the sound of my voice. I pray that your words would ring in our ears throughout this week. God, that we would be reminded that our faith is often tested before it's rewarded. God, that that we would lean into anything that you put before us and we would seek your counsel, your wisdom, your ways. And Lord, we ask for your help. God, we, we, in all of our ways, in all of our days, we want to acknowledge you. We don't want to lean in our own understanding. No, we want to lean into you. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over every person here under the sound of my voice that this week would be marked by a week where we hear and obey this beautiful simplicity of faith that we listen and that we obey. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.